Leah Tunney, and I'm from Youth with a Mission in Boston, and I just want to say thank you so, so much for having us out tonight. We are so happy and excited to be here with you. So before we get started, um, I just want to introduce our whole team to you. So YWAM, if you guys want to stand up. So I'll just let everyone introduce themselves, their name, and where they're from. As I said, my name is Candia, and I'm from Virginia originally. Um, I lived there till I was 18, went to college in Mississippi, did a training with YWAM in New York, and was on staff in Pittsburgh for two years before coming here. And this is my husband, Jeremy. Hello. How's it going? Uh, my name is Jeremy. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I'm a Pirates fan, 15 losing years in a row. Thank you very much. You can't, you can't hate me. Come on. Go Pirates. Um, and uh, I did my DTS in 2003, which is our training school, and I've been in YWAM ever since. So that's a little bit about me. So here's John. Hi, I'm John. I'm from Western Pennsylvania. Go Steelers. I just came on staff with YWAM Boston about a month or two or something ago. Been working part time with YWAM Pittsburgh while I was in school. Just graduated and I'm a full time missionary. Wish me luck. Hello, my name is Jesse and I'm 23 and originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania as well. And I've been in YWAM for about five years full time and just moved to Boston with the team last year. Hey everybody, my name is Melody, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and I just moved up here two months ago. Somebody from Maryland? Alright. I did that in crowd like a week ago, somebody said they're from Maryland, I was like, woo, and I was the only person in the crowd. So, yeah. See, I did my DTS in 2003, and it was on the Anastasis, so I got to travel the world during my DTS. So yeah, I'm here in Boston now, I love it. Hey, I'm Jessica, I'm originally from New Hampshire, and um, did my um, discipleship training school in Pittsburgh and came on as staff in 2004 and uh, moved up here a year ago to start the YWAM base here in Boston. So. Thank you, guys. So I just want to give you a little bit of a history about what Youth with a Mission is. Um, as you can tell, we're all saying YWAM for short. Youth with a Mission. It's all about acronyms, really. Um, like everything, DTS, Discipleship Training School, there's a million of them, and I can't keep up with them. But um, So it was started in 1960 by a man named Lauren Cunningham, and he was about in his early 20s at the time, and he kept having this dream of waves going all over the world. And he knew the dream was from God, and he just kept... There you go. I'm so sorry. I'm really soft-spoken, and for some reason I'm losing my voice, too. <laughs> so, um, so, yes, 1960, Lauren Cunningham kept having a dream of waves going all over the world, and he kept asking the Lord, what is this dream? I don't understand. What are these waves? And finally, after a couple of years, one day God showed him that those waves were young people taking the gospel of Jesus to every continent of the world. And I don't know, to give you a little missions history, um, before that point in time, you had to go through many years of seminary and schooling to be a missionary. And it was really hard for young people. Young people never had, like, short-term trips to Mexico for your youth group or anything like that. So um, 
really modern missions and teens being involved in missions and people our age being involved in missions is a very new thing within the past 50 years. So I thank God for Lauren Cunningham and his obedience to God to start Youth of the Mission. And he started it for the first two years. It was just he and his wife were the only staff. But he kept pressing on and said, I know that God gave me this vision and this dream, and I'm going to do this. And momentum picked up multiplied over the years. Now we have around 20,000 full-time staff around the world. So that's not short-term volunteers. That's full-time people who are with Youth with a Mission in 190 countries, about 900 to 1,000 locations. And so most of those locations have what's called a discipleship training school, DTS, that we are all referring to. And what that is is just a five-month program, and it's um, three months of lecture, and you have a different teacher every single week who comes and talks about a different characteristic of God or different type of ministry. And then for two months, you get to put into practice everything that you've learned. And really, the first three months is just really deepening your relationship and your walk with Jesus. And in my life, it was so amazing just to be able to take out that time in my life to really seek the face of God and have no other priority, not have school or work or anything (laughs) to worry about, but just growing closer to Jesus. So, um, And then a two-month outreach, you go anywhere around the world, wherever the specific school wants to go. So we are actually starting our first discipleship training school in January here out of Boston. We're so, so excited about it. Um, It's going to have an emphasis in creative arts and worship. So if this sounds something that might be stirring in your heart, please talk to us afterwards. We'd love to share more with you about that. Um, But first, I want to show you um, a little bit of a video that we have recently done. And this is just a summary of our ministry here to Boston. As everyone said, <laughs> sorry. As everyone said, we moved here about a year ago, and um, there were six of us to start with. And for about three years prior to that, people at YWAM in Pittsburgh had been feeling stirring in their hearts to come to Boston and start a base. And we knew that there had been many attempts in the past for YWAM to plant a work in Boston, and for one reason or another, they all failed. So we were a little nervous and intimidated, but we kept feeling, you know, God said go right now. So um, we went and we came here last year, and the first six of us were Jeremy's parents, and he and I, and Jesse and Jessica, and then John and Melody, as they said, both just joined us recently. So we are amazingly excited to be in this awesome city. So here's a little bit about how we got here and some stats about Boston that you may or may not know. Strategic cities in the world. 250,000 students flood the city every fall. And with 42,000 of them being internationals, we recognize that the challenge to reach this city is immense. Among the 85 colleges and universities are Harvard, MIT, and Boston University. Some of the most influential people in the world are educated here. In reaching the people of this city, we are reaching the world. Only God knows the impact that we can have. In 1630, founding father William Bradford said, Thus, out of small beginnings, greater things have been produced by his hand that made all things out of nothing. And as one small candle may light a thousand, so the light here kindled hath shone to many, Yea, in some sort, to our whole nation. In 2003, our first short-term teams came to Boston from YWAM Pittsburgh. 
we felt God calling us to establish a permanent work. The harvest in Boston is indeed plentiful. Beneath all the intellectualism and humanism, there are hurting and lonely people searching for a true source of hope. Finally, in October of 2006, a pioneering team of six came to train, reach, disciple, and mobilize this generation using the arts as a cultural connection. This team carries the experience of ministering on five continents, seeing over 22,000 people trained and sent out, and by the grace of God, witnessing over 86,000 people make decisions to follow Jesus. As YWAM Boston, we are making a difference as we creatively connect with the emerging generation for transformed hearts and changed lives by making intentional, unmistakable followers of Jesus who will embrace their destiny to make Him known. We are doing evangelism, leading worship, and equipping believers everywhere from local universities as far as overseas. Through Joshua Generation, we are training young people to connect with their generation and reach them for Jesus through the arts and sports. The School of Evangelism for the local church is equipping and mobilizing believers to effectively reach into their individual spheres of influence. And through the Discipleship Training Schools, students will get to know God deeper and be equipped to make Him known. The unprecedented opportunity to respond to this immense need is not without great challenges. An all-hands-on-deck mentality is necessary to see the dreams of God fulfilled in this city. Would you join us as we engage the battle? so much for allowing us to share that. So um, I just want to share a little bit with you about my life and all of us. Really, the reason that we're here tonight is not to convince all of you to be full-time missionaries because we know that that is not everyone's calling in life. But we want to share with you really the process that God brought us to in our hearts to motivating us to want to share his love with other people. And um, Really, I don't think it can be said any better. Just recently, a few weeks ago, our the founder of our mission, Lauren Cunningham, was in Boston. And that was a huge honor for us that he came here. He said he hasn't been here since 1955, I think. So it was so exciting to spend time with him. And he was speaking at um, Gordon-Conwell 
uh, theological seminary, and someone asked him, you know, in your 50-some years of ministry, what has been, have you ever struggled with losing your passion for souls? And if you have struggled with that, what was your solution? And he replied by saying, you know, really, having passion for souls isn't the issue at all. From the very beginning, the reason that I do ministry is because I love Jesus, and I love him with all my heart. And so to love Jesus and really fall in love with him and have a daily walk with him just gets lived out by sharing him with other people. And really, that's our heart, too. It's not to say we're going to be amazing and go win millions of souls to Christ, even though we do want to do that. But really, it's about loving and honoring Jesus with our lives. And it's because of our personal daily walk with him that we want to lead other people to him. And one of my favorite quotes ever is by John Piper. And um, have you guys ever heard of John Piper? Yeah, (laughs) I love him. Um, So he says, missions exist because worship doesn't. And really, that's what it is. It's our hearts break because we don't see God being honored in the lives of other people. And it's because of our love for him. And we don't see a world that's bringing honor and glory to God. And we want to restore that. We want to see God get the glory that he deserves. And um, I just want to share a little personal experience. I've always grew up in a Christian home and um, went to church my whole life. And I'm, as I said, I'm from Virginia in a very south part of Virginia. So it's in the middle of the Bible Belt. Everybody's saved. Everybody loves Jesus. Everybody has Jesus in their heart. And it's just like I never met anyone who wasn't a Christian, really, until I moved away from there. And um, I, I went through this up-and-down relationship with God, really, all through middle and high school, and um, it got to be the end of high school, and I had to take a step back from my life and realize, you know, I'm not really, like, in a daily walk with God. I'm kind of in this cultural Christian type thing, and I don't really enjoy this. It's not fulfilling, and it's not really getting me anywhere, and I, I started to realize this relationship with Jesus thing it has to actually be a relationship meaning I have to talk with him and fellowship with him every day. And it wasn't long after that that I started to realize that I wasn't really representing him to people. I was known as the goody two-shoes, but I wasn't known as the girl who loves Jesus and wants to honor him, and that's why she's the goody two-shoes, you know? Um, And a few years ago, I was in college, and I was training to be a missionary. My major was Bible, and a couple of my friends back home um, ran into a guy that we knew in high school at a restaurant, and they called me after they ran into him, and they were like, you know, we ran into such and such the other day, and he was asking about all of our group of friends, and he asked what you were doing, and we told him that you were in college to be a missionary, and he was like, what? She's going to be a missionary? That's the last person I would have expected, and I was like, wow. Oh, thanks. Like, I really thought that I was good, you know? I really thought that I was, like, you know, known as the Christian girl. But that was, like, a real slap in the face because it wasn't until the end of high school, like I said, that I really started to get it, that it was about sharing the love of Jesus and not just, like, going to church and being a good, cool girl. So that's really what we want to share with you tonight is like growing deeper in this process of you guys going through these months of learning more spiritual guides really it's not about like 
a specific technique or a key or magic words that you say to lead people to Jesus, but it's in letting him be fleshed out in your everyday life. And that's going to look different for every single one of you because God made you uniquely with an individual calling. And so with that, I'm going to invite Jessie up. And she's going to share a little bit of her experiences and some awesome more videos with you guys. Well, hello again. Well, um, like I said, I've been in YWAM for about five years now. And um, I actually started, you saw about the Joshua Generation is our summer program that we have for teenagers. And I started going on missions trips when I was about 12 years old. And um, I went to Mexico, my youth group. And um, when I came home, I was just so excited because I had, for the first time, saw God's power and God's reality in action. And I remember coming home, and I was, you know, a little 12-year-old, and I remember going to my older sister, and um, she was supposed to go on the trip, but she got sick, so she couldn't go. But I remember going up to her, and I was like, Dana, it was like the best time of my life. I'm going to be a missionary. And she's like, yeah, it's all right. You'll get over it. Like, you're just excited. It'll go away in a week. And I was like, no, I don't think it will. She's like, no, really. Trust me, you'll be, you'll be fine in a week. And I was like... <laughs> Thanks. All right. And so I go to my um, youth pastor at my church, and I was like, Pastor Rich, I'm so excited. I, you know, this this trip and everything. He's like, yeah, okay. You know, I've heard this before. <laughs> and I was like, all right. No one's going to encourage me in this, so well, I don't know. But um, And then I continued going on trips. Every summer, I went on a trip every summer throughout um, my junior high and high school. And um, it was just became a lifestyle for me of learning giving my summers to Jesus and going on trips and learning how to share with people. And I remember um, the first time I personally got to lead anyone to Jesus, I was in New Hampshire on a missions trip, and um, we were out in a park, and um, we were just, we would do our little dramas and our dances, and then we would go talk with people that were sitting around, and I went up to this family, it was a whole family, like mom and dad, kids, aunt and uncle, grandma and grandpa, like the whole family. And so um, I was about 13, I was 14 at the time, and our leader, Jeremy's dad, sends me over to this, he's like, go over there and share with those people. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm like, I'm barely taller than the kids, and they're like, I'm like, you want me to go share? He's like, go, the Spirit of God lives in you, you've got the word of the Lord. I was like, all right. And so I went over, and (laughs) I was like, so I got, we used the wordless book, you know, the colors, like the bracelet. And so I had the book, and I was like, I want to share this book with you. And I'm sure, I don't remember what I said, but I'm sure it was the worst presentation of the gospel, like saying like every other word and, you know, fumbling over my words and fidgeting with my clothes and shaking. And at the end, I said, you know, there's an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus and to have eternal life. And I want to give you that opportunity today. Would you like to pray with me to receive Jesus And they all looked at each other, and my heart, if I could tell you, like, how fast my heart was beating, I thought I was going to throw up. Like, (laughs) what if these people say, no, what am I going to do? And so I was like, okay. And so they were, like, just looking at each other. And they said, yeah, I think we would. And all of them said yes. And I was like, no, I don't think you understand. No. (laughs) And (laughs) I was saying, I don't think you understand. Let me explain to you. You're giving your life to Jesus. 
and you're going to have eternal life, and you're going to turn away from your sin, and your life is going to be different. And they're like, yeah, we know. We want to pray with you. And I was like, no, you don't. Let me tell you. And so I kept talking and trying to talk them out of it, you know. And so finally, they're like, we want to pray. And I was like, okay, that's great. So I prayed with them, and I remember walking away, and I was just, I mean, I couldn't have been happier. I don't think a day at Six Flags would have made me happier, you know, whatever. Like, I was so excited. And just the joy of the Lord inside of me, like, I don't even have words to say. And I just remember thinking, I don't want to do anything else for the rest of my life. I want my whole life to feel like this. I want to see the power of God move in people's lives every day. Like, God is really real, and he really is powerful, and he really wants to change people's lives. You know, we were singing that song tonight, Mighty to Save, and I love that song. I've been listening to that CD in my car. I actually stole it from Candia, but um, I'll give it back to you, I promise. But um, I've been listening to that song, and I'm like, yeah, he is mighty to save. He really is. Like, his power is real, and I think sometimes in our daily lives, we really underestimate the power of God, because we wake up in the morning, you know, we brush our hair, brush our teeth, and we're off to work, sitting in traffic, and going to school, whatever you do, and it's kind of humdrum life for most people. And um, even for me, as a missionary, I wake up, I, you know, go to the office, and correspond to emails, answer phone calls, go tell some people about Jesus, and I can lose my zeal for it, you know? But I forget, we, I think we forget sometimes about the power behind this Jesus guy that we have given our lives to, that he is really real, and that he really is mighty to save. And um, we're going to show a video from Israel in a f- just a minute here, but um, we went to Israel in 2003. Yeah, 2003, John and Jeremy and myself um, were there and part of John and Jeremy's discipleship training school, and um, I was on the staff for that trip. And um, we went to Israel to do evangelism. Not really to sightsee, but we wanted to see some people go to come to Jesus, you know. And um, before, on our way there, people were saying, you know, you're going to get killed, you're going to get stoned, and you'll hear all that in the video. People were like, you're going to get killed, like you just shouldn't go. And we're like, oh yeah, okay. And um, I actually, at first, didn't want to go myself, and um, I talked to my mom, my mom's like, you're not going, you're going to get killed, sorry. And then I was like, Mom, maybe we should pray and ask God what he wants. And she's like, yeah. So she prayed, and like 10 minutes later, she called me, and she's like, you go to Israel. God's got a plan. He wants to save those people. If you die, it's okay. And I was like, oh, thanks. Thanks, Mom. But um, I, we, we went with a desire to see people's lives changed and to see the power of God put into reality. And... um. So we went, and we were in, you'll see in the video, we were in Jerusalem. We were on Ben Yehuda Street, which is like the main street through Jerusalem. And um, that was like one of the last places that we had gone, because we had done ministry all over. And it was hard. It was really hard, you know? Like, Muslims aren't really big into listening about Jesus, you know? Like, the Jews don't want to talk to you about Jesus, you know? And so we had a really hard time sharing with people, getting people to listen to us, having conversations with people. It was a tough time. I remember every day we'd come together and we're just praying. We're like, God, we love you. And that's why we're here. Because you've changed our lives. And we want to see you change these people's lives. We want to see you move in power, God. It's not for our glory. It's for yours. And I remember we'd just go out every day. And it was like pounding the pavement every day. We're there for five weeks. 
All right, no escaping, no vacation time. Like we're there hitting the ground every day trying to talk to people. And every day people saying, get away from me, get away from me. And the occasional like conversation with people. But we saw the power of God. And so towards the end of the trip, people are like, oh, you did, you did it here, you did it there. Don't go to Ben Yehuda Street. That's where you're going to get stoned. That's the place it's going to happen. And so I remember we were getting ready. We're going to do our drama. And we do this drama that presents the gospel. And it's really amazing because people actually stop and watch it. And they see the gospel unfolded before them. And it's really powerful. And so we're getting ready for the drama. We're like in a back alley. We have our little portable sound system. And we're like getting it ready. We're all getting our costumes on. And I had the video camera. And you'll see at one part, John's face is like really up close. And he's smiling. And I was going to everyone, and I was like, last words, what do you want your mom to know? Can you put your <laughs> name, address, phone number, where your body should be shipped, you know, on the, on the um, video camera? And um, so we're getting ready to go, and I was like, oh, God, please protect us. And we get out there, and do you know what? People stopped, and people listened, and we didn't get stoned. And I lived to tell the story, and those guys lived to tell the story. That that day, people accepted Jesus. And God came in power and glory. And people met Jesus for the first time. And um, you'll see also on the time we went to Bethlehem. We were in Bethlehem on Christmas Eve. And it was the only day of the year that they opened the border to go into Bethlehem. It's Palestinian territory and really dangerous. And up until that point, a lot of the terrorist groups had formed in Bethlehem and had been sent out from there. And um, so, you know, we were real excited about going there once again. And so... We're on the bus, and we're going with a church group who's going to Christmas Carol, you know, and Manger Square. And they're like, yeah, we're going to sing Jingle Bells and stuff. And we're like, oh, yeah, we're not going to do that. Like, we're going to tell people about Jesus. And so, like, really, like, tell people about Jesus. And so um, Jeremy's dad was with us, and he meets a guy on the bus who is a missionary to the Sudan, speaks fluent Arabic and fluent English, and he said, what are you guys going to do? And so Doug tells him, we're going to do this drama that shows about Jesus. Now think about this, like all Palestinians, all Muslim men that we're about to encounter in Manger Square. And he's like, yeah, and then at the end, I want to I tell these people about God's love for them and about Jesus. And, uh, and the guy's like, all right, I'll translate for you. And so we're like, oh, my goodness, this is getting worse. And so we get there, and we're like, once again, I have the video camera. So I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm behind the camera here. And so we start the drama. And crazy, like, all these people come around. We had, like, 600 people surrounding us. And it was crazy. And the crowd just kept getting closer and closer. And you'll see in the video the PLO ends up coming through the crowd with their, like, machine guns and they're like excuse me excuse me and we're like we're done I was like goodbye we're going to heaven but no they went to they were guarding us and they started pushing the crowd back a little bit giving us some more space you know and the Muslim call to prayer happened in the middle of our drama and so we stopped and we waited let them pray and then at the end we got to continue sharing with them and then at the end we had 600 Arabic New Testaments that we brought with us and so um we politely asked the PLO guards if they would be interested in helping us pass out these Bibles. And they're like, yeah, sure. And so they helped us <laughs> pass out. This is a true story. I'm not lying to you. We passed out 600 Arabic New Testaments to the, all these Muslim men. And you should have seen them. 
I'm telling you, before God, I have never seen a more precious moment in my whole life. That these guys, they heard, you know, you'll hear in the drama or in the video, you'll hear him when he says, Jesus said, I am the way, da-da-da-da-da, I am the truth, da-da-da, being translated, and them hearing the truth of the gospel. Because there's power in these words, guys. It's not just like, oh, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No, those are the words that transform people's hearts. And, you know, a lot of times we're afraid to say things or afraid to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, but it's because we love Jesus. And it's because it doesn't matter anything else. Because when you look at this life in light of eternity, nothing else really matters except for seeing people come to him and seeing other people know the love that we've experienced in our lives. Because how can we share something? How can we reach out to someone if we don't even know it ourselves? If it's not something that we've grabbed onto. But these guys, when they, when they got these Bibles, they knew what they were. And you saw them, they would tuck them in their coat. It's like all of them. They would tuck them in their coat and they would like run away, make sure no one saw them. It was like the most amazing thing. And so I don't know what happened that day. I'd like to tell you all of them repented and, you know, turned away. I don't know. And I can't wait to get to heaven to see, like, the real-time video of what happened, the angels that were, like, surrounding us and everything. I'm really excited about that. But all we have for now is human eye video to show you about the video. And afterwards, Jared's going to come up and share with you a little bit more about why we share our faith. And it doesn't matter if you're a missionary or a student or a professional or whatever it is, they were all called to share our faith and we're all called to love Jesus with all of our hearts. And he says, if you love me, you'll do what I command. If you love me, you'll do what I say. And he wants us to tell other people what he's done in our lives. And that really is what life is all about. And no matter what sphere of society you're in, entertainment, media, communications, whatever, Sports. I met a guy yesterday at the mall who's a professional wrestler, who's a Christian. He's like, this is my calling to bring Jesus to these wrestlers. And I was like, all right, you do that. Because they're not going to listen to me. I'm going to be like, you need Jesus. And they're like, what? So that's that, wherever you are. I can't reach into your sphere of influence. Jeremy can't reach into your sphere of influence. JT can't reach into your sphere of influence. Only you can reach into your sphere of influence and the people that are around you. God's placed there for a reason, for you to reach them. Because if we don't tell them, how are they going to hear, right? Romans 10, 14, and 15 says, how can they call on the one they've not believed in? How can they believe in someone they've never heard of? And so it's our job to tell them. How will they know unless they hear? And so go ahead and show this video from Israel, and, um, and Jerry will come up. Hello, my name is Doug T- Doug Tiny, we are from Youth of the Mission Pittsburgh, and recently God spoke to us to go to the nation of Israel to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the entire nation. They told us that open proclamation evangelism in Israel would never work. They said it couldn't be done. They said we'd fail. They said we'd be arrested. They said we'd be stoned. Maybe even killed. They said that the best that we could hope for is to be left alone. Because no one would receive our message. But God said, go, for the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The leader of the largest Messianic church in Israel said that in 20 years he had never seen an outreach team experience more than three or four salvations. When we had succeeded in preaching the gospel most of Israel, they said you could do it everywhere but Jerusalem. But we did. And God gave us victory in Jerusalem. Yeah. 
the beginning yeah. of the Via Della Rosa, right in this whole area. And so this is where he was tried and then convicted to go, and then he began his, his walk toward the cross from here. Welcome to the planet. Welcome to existence. Everyone's here. Everyone's here. Everybody's watching you now. Everybody waits for you now. What happens next? What happens next? I dare you. Eve 2003, our team went to the city of Jesus' birth, Bethlehem, to proclaim the good news. The political situation was intense and the territory under Palestinian control. The reasons to fear were numerous. We found ourselves surrounded by hundreds of Palestinians who eagerly pushed forward to see us perform drama and to hear our message. To our amazement, the PLO kept the crowd under control and even aided us in handing out over 600 New Testament Bibles in Arabic. Miraculously, this was the only day of the year Westerners were permitted to enter Bethlehem. God had made a way. He said, I am the way. He said, I am the truth. I am the truth. Israel is one of the hardest mission fields in the world. Our team went. We looked fear square in the face and it ran the other way. If you are a Christian and want to dream the impossible, you can be sure that God can do it. What are you waiting for? There are nations and people that need you and the message of Christ. We can all do great things with God, so let God use you. Salvations. 48 were Jews, 16 were Muslims, and they were from 15 nations around the world. And we are, we are God's witnesses that this is true. All right, that's it. <clears throat> Amen. That's awesome, huh? It's exciting. I remember when we uh, literally, like, there's another team going with us, and a couple people had been to Israel, and uh, they called it the, um, the Cemetery of Missionaries and all these things, and these ladies were really excited about going. Um, and uh, it was just funny, because we just sat there, and we were just like, we know God is going to do something. We wouldn't go there for nothing. And um, we we always have the saying, um, all of us that are in Youth of Mission Pittsburgh and Boston or Youth of Mission wherever, we say, when in doubt, go for it, you know? When in doubt... When you feel scared, when you feel like maybe this person's not going to listen, go for it. What, what's the worst that could happen? You know, they say no. They, you know, with the first day we were there, this, this guy, it was a pretty funny story. This guy, uh, he comes up on this massive bulldozer. You, you saw that first thing that said Tel Aviv and we were dancing around. Yeah, that's an old dance. Um, 
and we were dancing around, and this guy in this huge bulldozer comes up, <laughs> and he, he starts, he gets on top of his bulldozer and starts yelling at us. He thought we were like this, this witchcraft group, because the one, the one part had like these masks. So he comes over and he like kicks our speaker over. He starts yelling at us, and we're like, this is the first day, mind you. So obviously Satan was trying to get us, you know, riled up. So we're like, wow, this is awesome. It's going to be like this like every day. People are you know, kicking over. And then he realized we were Christians, and he's a Jewish anyways, but he went and bought us all Cokes. So that was cool. Um, <laughs> he's like, here you go. I'm really sorry. You're not Satanist. Awesome. So anyways, um, like I said, my name is Jeremy Tunney, and I'm from Pittsburgh. I usually don't tell people I'm a Steeler fan until afterwards, so they don't hate me during while I'm talking. I'm just kidding. Um, Actually, because one of the school evangelists, and we, we wore our jerseys one day, and he's like, the whole time I was dealing with myself, I couldn't look at you. I was like, sorry, man. Um, God bless America. Um, and so I just want to talk to you a minute. I know we, we only have, uh, oh, are we done at 8.30? 8.30? Yes. We don't have a time limit, 12.30? No. <laughs> I'm not long-winded, I promise. Um, just want to talk to you a little bit why I'm in missions and why I do what I do and why we do what we do and uh, what God has called you to do as a Christian. Um, and you probably already know what you need to do. But um, I think when I was going out of, out of high school, uh, my brother had gone to college for a year and kind of, he, he wanted to do missions, but he's like, man, I, all my friends are going to college or we're all, they all want to make a lot of money. I feel like I have to kind of fit in with that thing. And he wasn't even thinking about what he would do. If Jesus had called him there, he just wanted to go because it sounded cool that he was going to the University of Pittsburgh, way to go. And um, and he went, he really fell away from the Lord that year, and then he decided, yeah, I'm going to go into missions. You know, this is definitely not the place for me. It is And um, sometimes people call, call people to college, and sometimes he calls you to the mission field, and he called him. And I saw my brother go through that whole stage of really falling away from God's dream for his life. And um, I really felt like, my my dream right now, God's dream for me right now, was to go into missions. And I knew, like, I was, I literally signed up like two days before the school because I was like, I'm not going, I'm not going. And then finally, I was like, all right, I'll go. And and then I I went, and it was the most life changing experience of my life. And I felt like I just got alone with Jesus for five months, and I and I got to go for it in one of the hardest places around the world. I, I I've been to Brazil, and I've been to all these countries around the world. Um, before I was even out of high school, I saw thousands and thousands of people around the world get saved. But I really wanted to go for it in a place that was really hard. Because I wanted to, you know, is this really real to me? Is this really real to me? Will I go? And if I don't see every single person in the altar call raise their hands, will I still go for it? Because, you know, um, especially in Israel, you have to, like, depend on Jesus. Because, like, it's hard. It was really hard, you know. Uh, the first couple of days... Uh, we led, you know, like one person to Jesus like the first week. And then and then little by little, we started leading more and more. And I think it taught us a lot, a lot of us a lesson because a lot of us had seen amazing things happen around the world. 16,000 people here, 20,000 people here. And we go to Israel, we're like, we're going to see the whole nation change. And it was, it was really hard. You would have to talk to people for two hours just to get them. To, I want to tell you something that 99% of Jewish people don't even believe in God. They're total atheists. They have, they have no concept of God. They're sick of the whole religious thing. I mean, Jerusalem's really the only really religious people. And basically, the only thing they really believe is that they don't believe in Jesus. And, uh, 
And so they're like, I, I, I don't even really know. Jesus, no, no, we don't believe in him. You know, it's like they're one thing. And, um, and so it was hard in the beginning, but really it taught us that regardless of our situation, regardless of if it's the hundredth person you talk to and they still say no, your relationship with Jesus really is the thing that strives you to do more, strives you to get that next person. And um, I think uh, it was instilled in my heart because my father was saved by a person who was rejected time and time again. He was on his college campus in western Pennsylvania. Time and time again he was rejected over and over again. He had the toughest day of his life. And he looked over at my dad, who was an alcoholic time. Um, I think he was divorced at the time, and he was suicidal. He looked over at my dad. This guy, my dad was a clean-cut guy. He was a football player, really good-looking guy. He looked like he had it all together. And, um, and he goes over to my dad. He's like, oh, what the heck, one more. I'll tell someone else about Jesus today. And, uh, and then that was my dad. And my dad, in that moment, he was totally addicted to alcohol. In that moment, he said, you know what? The guy, like Jesse said, the guy was horrible at telling me about Jesus, throwing up his hands, speaking in tongues, and all this crazy stuff. Like, my dad had never experienced that before. And, uh, of course, that was very weird. And um, when people do that, when they don't know what's going on. So um, he accepted the Lord, and, and, and his life dramatically changed just because that one person said, what the heck, one more. I'll do that. You know, my dad's told that story thousands of times around the world. I've heard it. But it's a miracle because through his life, Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people around the world know Jesus today because he said, I want to be a history maker. I want to be a part of God's dream for my life. And uh, I think regardless of um, what field we're in, it doesn't matter what we're doing. As long as, if we say, I'm going to college to make money, that is wrong. If I say, I'm going to college because this will help me get to the mission field or this will help me to bring people to Jesus. I think when you strip everything down, regardless of what you're doing, if you're doing wrestling, whatever, if in, if in down to the, the basic thing of what you're doing, it says, this is a, a, a way for me to minister to people about Jesus. If that's not the, the core value of what you're doing, I don't think that's God's dream for your life. I think God has dreams for every single person. He says, I have a dream for your life. I want you to do this for me. You know, um, last year when the Colts won the Super Bowl, I know it's a sore subject here. But um, you saw Tony Dungy, and, and what they said, what do you have to say? He's like, I love Jesus, man. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. Instead of bringing glory to myself, he bring glory. You know, I don't know, 100, 300 million people watch that. You know, in that moment, Tony Dungy, he's not called just to be a coach. He's not called just to do simple things for Jesus. I mean, simple things for himself. He's called on the biggest stage possibly in the world that people watch. He's called to say, I love Jesus. I have a personal relationship with him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. You know, I was listening to that song on the way here. It's all about you, Jesus. You know, anyone like that song? It's a good song. And uh, it's kind of old, but I got the Passion Greatest Hits for like three bucks on Amazon.com. It was a great deal. Um, and uh, it's a great website, yes. Um, so I was listening to that song, and, and really, like, that is our lives as Christians. You know, God calls us to, to leave everything and say, you know what, my education my family, my friends, it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about if, if I want to make money to, 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 so I can support other missionaries. You know, one of our biggest supporters is I make money so I can support missionaries because I can't do what they do. I can't go. So God has called me. He's blessed me with this so I can support missionaries that lead thousands of people around the world to Jesus. I want to be a part of God's dream regardless of what part in that play I, I, I play. And... Um, 
I think uh, I think a lot of us, especially in the workplace, you know, um, you know, I was a pizza delivery man that ruled, and uh, I had a Chrysler LeBaron. It was the best car I ever had. It looked like the Batmobile, and um, you know, I, I went to work, and I always, I always tell these guys, I can't work on Sunday. I'm really holy. I'm a Christian, you know, and uh, even though sometimes I didn't go to church, but anyways, it was when I was younger and less holy. Um, I'm joking. Um, and so I, I would get into this work. I would get into this work schedule and all these things, and I, and I would totally forget. Like, okay, I have a chance to like lead some of these people to Jesus. You know, I have a chance every single second. You know, someone walks in, I deliver pizza, whatever. Uh, my boss, whoever, one of my coworkers, and, and they were constantly like this talking to me. It's like this wanting something. There, I, I guarantee you, these people put the, put on these like faces around you. They need Jesus. My dad was the most. The best person I'm putting on that face, he was a very successful athlete, he had everything, but he was dying inside, he was dead, he was going to commit suicide, he had nothing, because he didn't have Jesus, and I think a lot of us put on this, like, social camouflage, we say, you know, I'm just going to, like, try to, like, make it through this, like, make it through the streets, like, don't draw any attention to me, wear, like, gray clothes, and I'm just going to, like, see if I can make it through without anyone noticing me, because that's really annoying when I have to, like, talk to people. And it's really annoying to like be social, and I know it's like for me, like I love just like doing my own thing, and like you know going out, getting a coffee, and just going back to work and just whatever. But I think God has called us as Christians to be more than that. I think God has called us to be a person that makes a difference in in our lives every single day. Whether it's like um, the, you know this guy we're in Philadelphia is a pastor there, and he, and he said I led one of the the uh, you guys have heard of Italian Ice, right? Little what is that Rita's place? He led like one of the biggest managers in Rita's to Jesus because he just kept smiling at him every day when he get Italian ice. He's like, "Why are you smiling?" He's like, "I love Jesus, man. Jesus, you know." He started preaching. This guy got saved right at Rita's. You know, it's like one of the biggest Italian. It's great Italian ice. You should go there and get some. Um, and and so little things like that. I think God has called us to be a part of His dream. And every single day, sometimes God has called us so many times, and, and, and very few people respond to that. You're driving this next to this person in the tea or whatever, and you like feel like, oh man, I really feel like I got to say something. And when in doubt, go for it. When in doubt, just say something. You know, it's like, do you go to church? You know, how how you doing? My name's Jeremy. Whatever. You know, just get to know people. And uh, I think, um, when you talk about missionaries around the world, that I really feel like. All of us are are challenged to be history makers. I really feel like we're not supposed to be. You know, once we just get through this life, I'm in a hurry to get things done. Live life and it's all done. Whatever that old Alabama song. Do you guys ever hear that song? Nobody? I can't even see. It's like a comedy club or something. I'm like, what? But uh, it's a class. I'm an Alabama fan. Go Alabama. I got the greatest hit shirt. That's right. Um, and it's like our lives aren't just say, like, I just want to live. I just want to make enough money to get by. And die. You guys know that, right? You guys know that as Christians. But sometimes we're uh, so, we're called, but so many so so little respond to that call. So I mean, I mean, so many people just say, you know what? It's not really working out for me. That this whole missionary thing, or this whole like telling me about Jesus. This person at work denied me. One person, and I can't do it anymore. I can't take that. You know. But when really, when they deny us, who do they deny really? Christ, right? And I think Christ has done enough for us that we can keep going and say, what the heck, one more, and lead that one person to Christ. You know, D.L. Moody was saved in Boston, right? 
and he was saved at that Sunday school that morning. And I'm sure that Sunday school guy has maybe out of all the kids, maybe deal with he's the one who went on to lead millions to Christ. But was it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, millions of people are going to, are in heaven now because of that one man's decision. And I think every day we have a decision to say, you know what? My life is going to, I'm going to be camouflaged today or I'm going to, I'm going to put on, you know, the bright face of Jesus and I'm going to go out there. And I know, I don't feel like it every day. And sometimes I don't do it. I fail all the time. But I think all of us are called in any work, whatever work or college that you're in, you know, we're called to be a light, aren't we? You know, hide under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. We're on some old hits today, man. Old hits. Wow. I didn't think I'd be bringing that out, but maybe we'll sing it. Anybody got a guitar that can sing that? All right, good. They're like, no, please. I've had enough. Um, and I think that even though as simple as that is, hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. I think hide it under our, like, we're, we're afraid of men. We're afraid of people, aren't we? We're afraid to tell our friends about Jesus. But I think when, when, when if Jesus was standing right next to us and, and you're like, you and Jesus are like walking along, your best friend comes up and be like, I, I don't even know him, man. We don't want to talk about him right now. He's only died for me, whatever. Um, just forget it. You know, let's just, it's really cold out, isn't it? You know, it's like, let's talk about the weather. Uh, I think, you know, but he's here. He's in your heart, right? He's changed your lives. Who, who, who's he changed his lives in here? Everybody, right? Amen. So I think everyone has a resounding thing in their heart. I want to make a difference. I want to tell people about Jesus. Don't you want to see people saved? Yes? Amen? You want to see the world say you want to see Boston reach for Jesus, you know, 250,000 students. We want to see them reached, right? Well, it takes people like you saying, I'm going to tell one person this week about Jesus. That's how it will come. Not through, you know, a, a massive revival just, you know, everyone's just going to get blam. You know, it's like, whoo, we're all saved. You know, it takes, it comes from the bottom up, right? It comes from people just like you saying, I want to make a difference. You know, I think in the perfect example is in Europe right now. These churches we go to, we go to Ukraine and Poland, and they're like, we just want to survive. We're in these little buildings, and we just want to survive, man. It's so bad out there. And I'm like, we just like saw like 150 people get saved outside your church. Let's go. And, uh, and so they're like, oh, okay. It's like, and, and, but, but the thing is, in Europe, they have a different mindset. We just want to survive. We just want to put on the camouflage. And if we can make it through our lives, then that will be good. But you, you talk about people in like China. I went to China. And you know you're not allowed to be a Christian there, supposedly. And uh, you go to China, and they're like baptizing people in their baths. They're witnessing like crazy there. These people are insane. It's like I went there. I'm like, you guys don't even need me. You're like getting all these people saved. I'm like coming here. I'm like the food's really great. You know, I'm like I'm trying to witness people. You don't speak Mandarin. Way to go. Um, and so there, it's a different kind of culture. And 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 I think it's from the bottom up. People. Just saying, I'm going to make a difference in my sphere, just like Jesse was talking about. You're, you are putting your sphere for a reason. And that's just not, not to say, like, woohoo, I'm a Christian. I'm nice to people. That's not the reason. I'm telling you that we're not called just to be nice. You know? We're not called to say, like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, maybe you notice that. You know? You know, I think we're called to, like, be passionate about Jesus because this is the main thing in our lives, right? It's the number one flag we're throwing up, even before America, before anything, before your work, before anything. It's Jesus. You know, it's Jesus. It's the, it's the flag we're throwing up, right? And we're like waving this in front of people. We're waving that and saying, man, this relationship is real. It's changed my life. No one can deny that. 
They can, they can try, but in the end, people say, man, this is real. This guy's like out here in the middle of the street. It's freezing cold outside, and he's telling people about Jesus. This must be real. You know, people told me that all the time. Like, man, I really wasn't going to stop, but man, something, this has to be real. You're insane. Why are you here? And it's like 1030 at night. You're in Harlem in New York telling people about Jesus. And like, you could be shot, you know. And we have almost been shot. But it's, it's been fun. I mean, that's fun, you know. <laughs> I mean, in the end, when I'm on my grave, I don't be like, man, I'm so glad I was nice to people, you know. But really, you, when you're at your grave, you'd say, who did I affect in my life? Did I affect my, you know, my, my dad's, are we almost done? Okay. My, my dad's family um, was not Christian at all. They all went to church, you know. And he wasn't even a deacon. He was a total alcoholic, which is awesome. And um, when he got saved, no one, like, he would go, we always have these family reunions. Like, we have a huge family and has anyone ever heard of Gene Tunney, the boxer? Anybody? There's got to be one person in here. Gene Tunney. One person. He's like a world champion boxer, so we have like big old family, and uh, we all, that's the only thing cool about us is that we know him. Look him up. He's on YouTube. <laughs> He's an old boxer. He's a world champion, man. Come on. Has anyone ever heard of the long count? The long count? No? Okay, it's, really, it's like the most famous boxing story ever, so get to know that on YouTube. Um, great. Or GodTube, that might be on there too. That's a website you should check out as a Christian. Um, what was I talking about? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, you guys with me? You guys with me? Okay, good. Sorry, I'm, I'm not the best speaker in the world. I'll tell you that right now. I'll tell you. But I uh, love Jesus. Um, but I want to tell you that, you know, back in the day, we had the huge family. We had like 150, 200 people at this thing. I always play football. Every year, someone breaks a bone. It's awesome. And tackle football, Western Pennsylvania, it's awesome. It's like hockey in Canada. But um, we play, and then, and then there was always these people getting drunk, you know, fighting all the time. It'd be like this massive, like, you know, I hate you, blah, 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 you know. And then my dad came along and started getting one person saved at a time. And they kept calling, like, the Billy Graham of the Tunnies and, like, stop preaching to me. But little by little, everyone kept getting saved. He led his dad to Jesus, who just passed away, like, a year ago. He's like, I remember when I led my father to Christ. I remember that moment when I said, Dad, it's not about works. It's not about going to church. It's about knowing Jesus personally. And about him realizing that. And he, we read some letters at my grandfather's funeral about how saying, you know, my son led me to Christ. And, and I know now that the greatest need in my life is to know Jesus. Is to know Jesus personally. And that took that one person saying, what the heck, one more? Led, you know, millions, millions will probably come to Christ because of that uh, one man, you know. And I know that people around you are, are in college, in Boston University, Harvard, wherever you go, could be kings of nations or queens or, of nations. And you never know. You, you say, this one time when I can share this with this person or, or go out and, and be a part of God's dream, this could change the world. I mean, you could, and you always hear that, you could change the world. But really, it's true. Through Christ, you can. Because God, is, he wants you to be a part of this like tidal wave that's going on. He's like, come on, join us. You know, um, we're, we're not like the Army Reserves. You don't, like, hey, come hang out, and you can do, like, one weekend a month. I think God's called us to be, like, the Marines or the, or the Green Berets, you know, being in, the, in the, the hardest place in the world, you know, snipering weird people. No, kidding. <laughs> um, and hardest place in the world, being part, even when it's hard, even in Boston, you know, 
think all these people are liberals, you know, all the, it's all this weird stuff going on. But I'm going to tell you that we see people all the time getting saved. Every, every, every week we go out, you know, because people are open. People want to hear the gospel, you know. And we always talk about unreached people groups, right? I mean, obviously Boston is very unreached. If they don't know Jesus and they don't know about a personal relationship with him, then they're very unreached, aren't they? So I'm going to end with this. Um, I think, uh, you know, many of, many of my friends have, had gone into missions and then fallen away. So that I don't really, it doesn't really fit my schedule. It doesn't fit my life. And some of my friends have gone to college and say, I want to be, I want to do this for Jesus. You know, I want to, you know, I, I, I tried to convince myself that I was going to be a radiologist. You guys ever heard of that? I sit in a black room and like, you know, does anyone do that here? No? Okay, cool. So I can make fun of it? No. Um, and, and, and this lady walked up to me and she's like, uh, she was one of our teachers. She's like, do you want to do that? And I was like, no, not really. She's like, do you like being in black rooms by yourself all day? I was like, no. She's like, what do you like doing? I was like, well, I like telling people about Jesus. She's like, well, maybe you should be an evangelist or go into missions, you know. And I think all of us have that's, all of us have something burning inside of us that they want to reach their friends. Amen? Anyone here? Raise your hand if you want to be a part of that. Yeah? Everyone should raise their hand. If you're a Christian, you should raise your hand. And, and so God's dream, you are in, in a massive play right now around the world. God has placed you in, in exact places right next to this person, even this person next to you right now, and said, I'm putting you right here. Just talk to them. He's nudging you. Let's go. It's like, come on. And then, and then sometimes we say, God, it's so hard. You know, I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so weak inside. He'll give you the words to say, I promise. If you're totally like, I have no idea what to say, say, God, just speak through me. And he will. It doesn't matter if it's horrible. Go for it. It doesn't matter if you're the worst gospel presentation of all time. At least you went for it. At least you said, God, I'm going for it. Come along. You know, I'm going for it. I hope you're here for the ride because he will be. Amen? Amen? So you guys with me? You guys love Jesus, right? He's awesome. Thank you guys for the worship. And we we do worship like every day of the week, so I was like, "Yo, are we done?" No, I thought you were. I thought you were oh ready. no, <laughs> I'm all, It's only been five minutes past eight thirty. Okay, he's like, "I got the big cane coming at me." <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll be done one second. Um, I just want to challenge you guys that I'm going to tell you one story, and then we're going to be done. Um, my brother-in-law, he's a he's about to be a major in the Marines, and uh, when he went to the Marines, he wasn't saved. My actually, my sister led him to Jesus. And uh, they got married, and uh, he's a radical man for Jesus. And, and I want to tell you that he doesn't like this exist just to, like, be, like, a lot of people respect him. It's a really respectable job. You're in the Marines. Way to go. Hoorah. And then, but the thing is, he's not there for that. He, like, when you try to talk to him about the Marines, he's like, I don't care. Who cares about the Marines? He's like, let's talk about Jesus. Uh, I'm telling you, he's like that. And, it, and I'm like, sometimes, I'm like, tell me, like, about flying jets and stuff. He's like, who cares about flying jets? Let's talk about Jesus. And and it's funny because he leads all his guys to Jesus. They're all coming to church with him. He's leading all his Marines to Christ. And I'm like, that is God's dream for him. He's called him to be a soldier and lead people to lead his soldiers to Christ. And God has places in places to 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 not just to be there and say I'm a nice person, but to to be there and to witness pe- to people about Jesus. He's, it's called the Great Commission. And uh, I think all of us are called, regardless of what situation or what d- demographic you're in. To say, I want to tell one person about Jesus this week. One person that doesn't know Jesus. Who knows someone that's not saved here? 
All right, some of you know a lot of Christians. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to challenge you guys in a minute that Chuck made his, a lifestyle evangelism. His, his lifestyle became different when he said, you know what, I'm put here for a reason. I'm put in this leadership spot for a reason, not because I really want to get saluted every five seconds. No, I want to, I want to use this for Jesus. Tony Dungy said, I don't want to be just another coach saying, uh, um, I, I want to videotape people during a game. You know, I'm just kidding. And, uh, you know, oh. See, I told you, I never try to say stuff because people get mad at me. Bill Bella cheat, I don't know. Um, the Cheatriots, Shady Brady, no, no one ever said that. So I saw it online. It didn't, it's not my words. Um, it's on YouTube also. <laughs> but Chuck, Chuck is one of my, is one of my heroes. All, Billy Graham's one of my heroes. Don Richardson, my dad's one of my heroes. You know, Lauren Cunningham, you know, the heroes of the faith. But he's one of my heroes because he's in the work world. He's in the secular place. And he said, you know, what? I'm going to make a difference. And he's like, you know, 20, 30 guys, everywhere he goes to Jesus because he's like, it's just resonating on him. I'm going to make a difference. I need to do something. And people respect him for that. I'll tell you that, like, when I go there, people love him, man. And he's like this, you know, this hardcore Marine guy. And these people are like, I have Bible studies at his house. He's awesome. So I want to challenge you guys. In a minute, we're going we're gonna to pray. And, uh, okay, you're going you're gonna to come up before we pray? Okay, come on up. You ready? Thank you, guys. Well, you know, we could talk about Patriots, but we don't want to gloat. And, you know, there's always Red Sox, but that's okay. You know, I, I understand you're a Steelers fan, and we won't hold that against you, all right? Um, but I'd love to have the rest of the team up here. All right, I just have three questions to ask, and I don't know who's going to be able to answer the questions the best. So I just thought it real quickly, I'd ask three questions. The first question is, you keep sharing about we need to preach Jesus, talk about Jesus, and do that. Before you actually share Jesus, how does one of you or how do all of you get ready to do that? You sure you want to be the first one? I'm ready. All right. All right. I think for me, um, before I share Jesus, of course, there's a lot of prayer that goes into that. Uh, I, um, I read a lot. Of, I read Acts. You know, it's a great book. I read the Gospels, and I, and I know that Jesus has called us to be part of that, part of his dream. And also, before I talk to people about Jesus, I, I, just, I, I constantly am trying to, like, talk to people and trying to conversate to, to learn how to, to react to people. And I think, you know, um, any salesman or any person that deals with people, you kind of have to go a, a while before you get really good at just, like, getting into a conversation. And I think the, the best thing is to say, what if this person says this? Or how do I get into this conversation? Or how, or how do I, like, start witnessing to somebody? How do I get to that point? And I think it's just talking to people, being a people person. And I, and I know that everyone, huh? Being normal, amen. And I think everyone can be normal. And they can say, hey, how's it going, man? Can I just share this with you? And I think that's the main thing for me is just, is just being able to talk to people. And I, and I know that everyone isn't perfect at saying, you know, I, can, I know the exact words to say, but when you, when you give a smiling face and you say, hey, can I share this with you? And when you have the compassion of Jesus coming out of you, I think that is the best part. So, Great, thank you very much. My second question, and, and, and that's... Fine. Um, Jesse, you mentioned the cards or, you know, it's like the bracelet. And also some of you mentioned, you know, sharing Jesus. I'm just curious, for us that have never had the opportunity to share Jesus, how do you actually share the gospel in a clear way, maybe a, a, a 
easy way or an honest, open way, you know, I think a lot of us might be intimidated to do that. So, so how, do you, how do you actually do that? How long do we have? No, just kidding. Well, I think um, for me, like Jeremy said, making a connection with people somehow, um, depending on, it's different for every person I talk to. Um, a lot of, some of what we talked about tonight was about your dreams or your destiny, the thing that God's called you to. And um, that's a good conversation starter. Well, what do you do? Oh, I'm a doctor. Well, why do you want to be a doctor? Have you always wanted to be a doctor? Well, yeah, from, since I was a kid, that's what I've wanted to be. It was always my dream. Would well, you know who put that dream in your heart? Do you know who gave that desire to you? It was God. You know, he created you. And that's like, I've started conversations like that all over the world and on airplanes and on the street and just in normal life at the doctor's office or like whatever, talking to people, just making a connection with them at their, their place. And then um, if, I don't know if the, well, we, like I said, like the bracelet, the colors, we don't use the bracelet, but we have a book and it talks about the, it shows the colors and um, the first color being gold and talking about the abundant life, you know, when you get into a conversation with someone just saying, you know, God has a plan for you. A lot of people are depressed and miserable. No matter how much they smile, no matter how much they put on a good show, like Jer said, people are really have emptiness inside of them if they don't have Jesus. And they might say, I'm all set, you know, whatever. You're not, they're not all set, really. They just don't want to talk about it with you, maybe, at that moment. But if you keep pursuing them, you can share with them the hope that God has a plan for your life. He has all these wonderful things for you here on earth to live in abundance. It says that John 10, 10, Jesus came to give life and to give life more abundantly and that he is the only way that we can come into having eternal life with him also. But there's a problem that stands in the way of that and that's our sin. And then we have this problem of sin. All of us sin. And try not to use churchy words with people because like even the word sin, people don't really, in our day and age, you'd be surprised. People are like, what's sin? What do you mean? And so just being, like I whispered to Jared, just being normal. Like, most of you know how to get saved. You, most of you have prayed the prayer, you know. And so it's just sharing your testimony with people, saying God has this wonderful plan for your life, has a plan for eternal life for you, wants you to live in heaven with him for eternity. But you have a problem. I have a problem. It's sin. It's the things that we do wrong against God. It's wanting to live our own lives the way that we want to live them and not letting God take control of us and not receiving his forgiveness and not receiving the relationship that he has with us. And I think um, just emphasizing the relationship with them and not inviting them to become a Christian or to join your church or to sign up for a club, but you're inviting them into, to meet your best friend. And that's really a good place to start. Thank you very much. Thank you. And my last question, and I don't know who wants to answer this one, it is someone actually listens to you. They ask to pray and they accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. What's the next step? How do you follow up with them? Or, or if we were to do that, how would you encourage us to take them to the next step? I think your wife wants to. Oh, sure. I thought she was handing it. We always carry contact cards with us everywhere every time we do an outreach and so we'll take down people's name phone number address now a lot of times people are a little freaked out by that (laughs) so um we just explain to them we're not trying to stalk you we're not trying to sell you anything we're not trying to get you to join a cult (laughs) we want to keep in touch with you and make sure that you're doing okay and if you have questions about this new relationship or if you need someone to pray with you and every time we go on an overseas outreach or an outreach in any other city we always always 
Valley's always work alongside of a local church so that we can pass those contacts on to those people to disciple and follow up on. So you guys specifically, definitely it would be this church, you know, and I mean, unless, I don't know, maybe they're from somewhere else. Um, We run into that a lot, actually, in Boston tourists who are here for a while. We've often um, try to find a church wherever they're from and maybe keep in touch with them personally. But, um, yeah. Um, Just in terms of, like, people that you talk to on a daily basis and getting them connected, um, I know you guys have the life groups or every other week or whatever, and that's a good place to start with people, like bringing them to a small group or inviting them to your house with a bunch of your friends that, you know, getting them plugged in somehow because it's not – for people, like, the biggest thing that they're, that they're looking for when they walk through these doors is for someone to say hi to them. And I know um, being new, kind of new in the area, I've only been here a year, but when we first moved here, we visited a lot of churches. And so I cannot tell you how many churches that I visited. I walked in and not one person said hello to me when I walked through the door. And I'm a Christian and I love Jesus, but that made me not want to go back to that church <laughs> because... I didn't make a connection with people. And that's the number one reason why people don't go back to church, to a church is because they don't feel like they made a connection there. And so that's the last thing you want for someone that you invite to church or you invite to a group that they come in and not feel welcome because we are the family of God, the body of Christ. And we need to embrace people outside of our little clique or our group or our, it's not just about us fellowshiping, fellowshipping with one another once a week, but it's about inviting people in and making them feel welcome. And I think that is the most important part in getting them plugged in discipleship and follow-up process. So, Thank you. That's great. And that's really practical for us and good things to hear. One of the things that I noticed with all of you, and it was between you sharing up here and or on the video, especially when you're in Israel, is that it seemed that your faith in Christ really blossomed, mushroomed, skyrocketed as you started to share your faith. And I think one of the things for all of us as we start to get more involved in a group like FIRE is we kind of plateau sometimes or we go through the routine of church and we don't realize why some people are just out there and they're like praising God and they're like living in the clouds and they're being blessed and it's because those are the folks sharing their faith with others. And I can see that with all of you and that's one of the reasons why we asked you to come tonight was to help challenge us, encourage us, model for us because Really, sharing Jesus and the love of Christ is something that anyone and every one of us who calls Jesus as Lord can do. And the more we do it, the easier we are fueled by the Holy Spirit to do it again and again and again. And we realize that He's leading through our lives because our lives have been changed and we want to see other people's lives changed. And I love what you shared earlier. And that really is the people that you know is where your area of influence is. You can change those lives by trusting Jesus to encounter them through what you do, living a life changed. Now, to help us prepare for that, if you remember when we started the Spiritual Guide series, Joanne actually had some cards on the chairs, and she asked you to write, and I followed up the week after, to write a name or names of people that you know that would love to experience the same lives that we've been blessed with, to have people come to Christ I hope you've been praying for those people, and I hope you're continuing to love them where they're at. And now as you model Christ, now is the time to share the gospel, to share Jesus Christ with them, and to help you with the next steps. We're going to have our next series right after Thanksgiving, 
okay? September, uh, November 29th, right here, we're going to have a new series called Lost in Our Heroes. And we're going to be looking at a couple of TV shows and a couple of movies. We're going to create a safe place at fire for your friends that don't know Christ to come in and hear the gospel through current culture. And we want you to be able to bring those people that you have been praying for, that you've engaged, and allow them to see why you come out here every single Thursday night and let them hear the good music and see your friends, but more importantly, to experience our Lord, our Savior. And let me pray to that end. Lord God, thank you for tonight, and thank you for youth with a mission Boston and their hearts to come here and share your faith and be able to challenge and model for us how to be in love with you and how to share that love with others. I pray, Jesus, that the men and women here tonight that are part of fire will be able to be used by your Holy Spirit to ignite a flame of passion, a flame of hope throughout New England. So men and women will come to Christ. They will be encouraged. They will receive hope where there was despair. They will receive love where there was isolation. They will receive warmth where there was coldness. I pray, Jesus, that as you come into my life, in our lives, that you will not let us go through the routine of life, the humdrum living. And now it is time to be used by you in a significant, powerful way so that the gospel will go before us, go through us, and fall behind us. I pray, Jesus, that you will allow each and every one of us here tonight to think of one person that we know that needs the love of Christ and allow that person to be on our hearts, on our mind, throughout the rest of this week, into the weekend, into next week, into the months to come, so that we can see that person become a family member of God. And I pray that it will not just end with one person, but it will be the start of seeing many, many people come to Christ. You are our Lord God, and we submit to you, and we ask that you... Jesus Christ will be able to reunite the lost members of your kingdom and bring them into the family of God and allow all of us to sing and rejoice and dance so that we can be free and we can know you indeed. In your mighty name we give you thanks. Amen.